I'm Grady Booch, and this is my column on computing, woven on the loom of sorrow. On the east bank of the Tigris River, in the city of Baghdad, there was once a wondrous place of learning called Bayat al-Hikam, the House of Wisdom. In the West, this was the time of the Middle Ages, what some historians pejoratively called the Dark Ages. But, for the Arabic world, this was the Golden Age of Islam, a time of incredible advances in astronomy, mathematics, medicine, geography, and the humanities. The House of Wisdom served as a meeting place for scholars to study, debate, and share their ideas in an open atmosphere that respected diversity of thought and culture. The House of Wisdom also served as a place where all the knowledge of the known world could be assembled, providing an astonishingly complete library of learning. To this end, one of the most important activities of the Institute was the collection and then the translation of ancient works, especially those from Greece and India. While the Western world settled into a long night of superstition and strife, work carried out of the House of Wisdom preserved much of early human knowledge and gave Persian scholars an environment in which they would flourish. Information wants to be free, as Stuart Brand once observed. Useful information transcends the medium on which it's first recorded. Although most of the artifacts from the House of Wisdom have been lost to time, the understanding formed of that institute was not. Hunyan ibn Ishaq's Ten Treatises on Ophthalmology was for centuries the most valued source of information about the anatomy and diseases of the eye. In The Book of Ingenious Devices by the three Banu Musa brothers, we see described cunning mechanisms that made music, powered fountains, and kept time, mechanisms that startled Charlemagne and possibly inspired Leonardo da Vinci. Overshadowing all of these advances, Mahabin ibn Musa al-Khwarizami's lyrically named Compendious Book on Calculation by Completion and Balancing established the practical foundations of algebra. Perhaps the most important thing to come from the House of Wisdom was nothing at all. Scholars from India had earlier developed the concept of the number zero, but it took Persia's greatest mathematician, al-Khwarizami, to popularize the idea of a positional number system in combination with a simple notation that included the number zero. Al-Khwarizami's Book of Addition and Subtraction According to the Hindu Calculations explained these ideas. We call these the Hindu-Arabic numbers, and today they form the notational system used in all of modern mathematics. The original Arabic manuscript has been lost, but it is from the Latin translation, the Algorithmi de Numero Indorum, that we receive the term algorithm. An algorithm may express something as sacred as a Japanese tea ceremony, or as every day as sorting a line of children by height. Whether or not the cosmos fabricates reality by executing some fantastically complex algorithm is an open question. But pragmatically for us, in the physical world of the moment, we can use algorithms to describe the things that happen in the cosmos, from a simulation of the expansion of the universe after the Big Bang, to the mechanisms of a living cell, to the behavior of crowds in a subway station. Not only can we devise algorithms that mirror the physical world, we can also use algorithms to alter the real world and create new virtual ones. In computing, we apply compression algorithms to transmit sound and video across cellular networks, ray tracing algorithms that paint photorealistic special effects for our movies, facial recognition algorithms to identify an individual in the crowd, natural language processing algorithms that can answer questions, and financial algorithms to move markets. 
The study of algorithms is at the core of computer science. Finding good algorithms is important not only because it helps us control our machines efficiently, but also because the process of creating such algorithms requires that we understand how the universe works. While the formulation of an algorithm is certainly important, the magnificent thing about computing is that it's possible to execute many algorithms far faster than the real world itself. In computing, we can create worlds of our own making, worlds that operate under laws that we ourselves devise. An algorithm is morally neutral, but our use of algorithms is not. While most algorithms are benign, there are others that may unleash destruction, such as those used during the Gulf War to guide smart bombs to their targets on the east bank of the Tigris River in the city of Baghdad. It is therefore a tragic irony that the place of the birth of the algorithm became a place of war. What is the path that led us from a time of exquisite intellectual achievement to a time of desolation? Clearly, this isn't a question we can easily answer. There are many threads that weave the complex tapestry we call the human experience. Computing is just one of the patterns found in this tapestry, but it is an incredibly powerful one, for the story of computing resonates with the human spirit. Computing has irreversibly printed itself on the human experience in ways that amplify what we celebrate most about being human, yet also magnify the worst in us. At its best, computing releases us from the limits of our bodies and our minds. However, the harsh reality is also that computing has co-evolved with conflict, contributing to our ability to more efficiently and more brutally rain down destruction. At one time, computing was only a companion to conflict. It evolved to become an instrument of war. It is now itself a place of war. In one of those tangled loops that characterize the inner beauty of computing, computing evolved with conflict such that the face of computing and the face of war were both changed in the process. Many of the foundations of modern computing were established during times of great conflict. Computing continues to advance, in part driven by the things we fear, invented in the name of conflict. While we acknowledge that computing has been shaped by conflict, we also recognize that incredible good has come from this technology, changing the human experience in many positive ways. Computing is just a technology, and such is morally neutral, but our use of computing is not. Our responsibility is best to use computing to advance the human spirit. To be fair, computing really has three parents, creativity, commerce, and conflict. Creativity springs from the pure delight of exploring the possible, what the physicist Richard Feynman once described as the pleasure of finding things out. Creativity is often the prime mover behind computing, as reflected in Howard Aiken's childlike joy in making numbers, in William Shockley's search for a better transistor, and in Mark Zuckerberg's early development of Facebook simply because it's cool. Commerce is computing's second part parent, but then again, commerce has always been a part of the genealogy of every interesting technology. A scientist in search of the laws of the universe recognizes the cosmos runs along quite nicely without our human economies, although a scientist's research funding might not. But a technologist is generally more of a pragmatist who declares, if it works, it's useful. Once unleashed into the wild, every interesting technology will live or die or evolve according to the forces of the marketplace. Although constrained by the laws of the universe, the particular protocols we use in computing to make phone calls, listen to music, or book an airline reservation were all born of creativity but shaped by the economy into which they were birthed. 
conflict is the third and most troubling parent of computing. War has a particularly intense way of focusing the material and the intellectual resources of a people, and this is especially true of how computing evolved from World War II to the Gulf War. If those wars had not happened, if conflict had not been a factor, then it's still likely that the foundations of computing would have eventually evolved in ways very similar to what now exists. However, this evolution would certainly have taken place with very different personalities, very different inventions, and on a very different time scale. World War II catalyzed the powerful intellectual collaboration among Alan Turing, John von Neumann, J. Presper Eckert, John Mockley, Norbert Wiener, and many other early computing pioneers. The space race that grew from the Cold War accelerated the development of integrated circuits, making them commercially viable and thus laying the foundation for the personal computer. GPS and all the associated geospatial systems that followed would have been hard to justify as a purely commercial public utility were it not for the military's ballistic missile program. The fact that the United States and not some other country grew to dominate the computing business was largely due to the reshaping of the world's map after World War II. The problem of war is an old one. Conflict is an undeniable element of the human experience, and with each generation we have applied all the inventions of art and science to make conflict even more deadly. Like the sword of Damocles, the specter of nuclear terrorism now hangs over the world. As Albert Einstein observed, the release of atomic energy has not created a new problem. It has merely made more urgent the necessity for solving an existing one. Einstein clearly understood the potential for utter devastation with his this technology, noting that I know not with what weapons World War III will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Computing was once a companion to war. It became an instrument of war. It is now a place of war. As such, we can attend to Einstein's uncertainty. We expect that the next war will be fought with ones and zeros. We do not celebrate war, although we do respect that war is part of the human experience. Computing has undeniably changed the face of war, but war has also changed the face of computing for good and for evil. We as humans have been changed by both. Mm -hmm.